The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. Attached Notes. Sleepy Hollow. Trick or treat! Happy Halloween, everyone. This is our trick for you. We had the treat earlier. We had our regularly scheduled October 13th, Nightmare Before Christmas episode. It was a treat for us to make. It sure was. It was a treat for you to enjoy. But this is our trick, a surprise bonus episode for this, flipping the digits around, October (laughs) 31st, Halloween Day itself. But hopefully, you will enjoy this as well, and so it will also be another treat. Because... We are a Ravenloft-themed podcast. We do horror stuff. We cannot let Halloween go by without having an episode drop. Plus, we've mentioned a couple times we record these a couple months in advance, and this gives me an opportunity to wear my jack-o'-lantern shirt well before the typical season. Well before even Michael's has... Halloween stuff and stuff. Yeah, I went there today. There wasn't anything. I was, I was, I was looking. I was looking. So there's Halloween fanatics among you. That'll give you some clues when we're recording this. <laughs> For this bonus episode, we are going to be looking at the classic Walt Disney animated movie question mark, <laughs> The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And we are going to be doing something unusual. Part of why we're doing this as a bonus episode mm-hmm. is we are not going to be adapting it into a domain we're going to be adapting it into an adventure. So we're going to be talking through the process of taking that story and then adapting it to an adventure to run with your players. Now, much like our other episodes, our domain write-ups, there will be a write-up for this that will be on DM's Guild. However, difference, we want to upfront this, mm-hmm. it's not going to be free. It's going to be 99 cents, so not much. I think pretty <laughs> good value. But it's more work to write up an adventure than it is to write up a domain write-up. This is going to be much longer. The mm-hmm. domain write-up so far have been like five, six, eight pages. This is going to be 20-something pages. Mm-hmm. So it is going to be a little bit of money if you want to have the text of everything we're doing here. But we are going to talk through the basics of the adventure right now for free for your listing enjoyment. So that is out there for you to use if you want to do that and save yourself 99 cents. This isn't just a however long this ends up being ad for the adventure. We are going to be talking through the process, give you hopefully some ideas if you want to do your own Sleepy Hollow adventure. Talk about some of the things that Tom thought about doing that you know I suggested you know helping him work through things that ultimately he decided not to go with. And if you hear any of those, you go, oh my gosh, that's so cool. You can use those and they wouldn't be in the adventure anyway so so bonus ah. content free bonus content <laughs> so we have our normal domain format but as we said this is not a domain and so instead of our normal format the lord the land etc we're going to start with a couple of questions that's kind of how we're structuring this bonus episode this adventure bonus episode so first question why are we doing this why are we doing this particular animated feature why are we doing this particular feature as a adventure and not a domain. So The Legend of Sleepy Hollow was produced in 1949. It was part of the movie The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. And you probably remember it. You probably especially remember the ending chase. That scene where the horseman is chasing Ichabod is so good, mm-hmm. is so famous. I know many, many, many people that is one of their like key to bring in another Disney related property when that's their one of their core memories <laughs> of horror. Mm-hmm. That this, that's one of the, the young, young, young age, and your teacher put it on, and that scared you, but in a wonderful way. Yes. So the, this has become, this Headless Horseman, The Chase, Sleepy Hollow, has become kind of part of the Disney horror canon. 
Especially if you are kind of more on the Gen X, uh, Gen X millennial cusp side of things, because this was before Nightmare Before Christmas came out. Like when, when you know, when Tom and I were in like third grade, yeah, yeah, and our teachers were looking for something to show us on Halloween because they knew there was no way we were going to be paying attention in class. They didn't have Nightmare Before Christmas yet, so their options were. Legend of Sleepy Hollow or the Night on Bob Bowden sequence, which has exposed bosoms in it, so yeah, they were going right. to go with Legend of Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> and so, yeah, this is part of that Disney horror canon, like the Haunted Mansion ride, like Night on Bald Mountain, which we got plans for. Mm-hmm. You know, put put mm-hmm. a pin in that. We're coming back to Night <laughs> on Bald Mountain, like the Skeleton Dance, or mm-hmm. like nowadays Nightmare Before Christmas or Hocus Pocus. These are the the sort of palette that Disney has to do Halloween and horror stuff. This was in the Disney like spooky Halloween sing-along song party. They had had the Headless Horseman song from this movie in the Disney like Halloween spook oogie boogie spooky trick-or-treating mm-hmm. party at Disneyland. They had the Headless Horseman as one of like the characters mm-hmm. that was part of the celebration. This is part of the palette of horror for Disney and our whole thing is Disney horror. <laughs> so it really feels like we should at least touch on this. We should mention The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. We are morally obligated. <laughs> yes. Also, just uh, as Rachel mentioned, this is, this is I'm kind of the adventure guy, and this is also kind of my baby. Mm-hmm. That I really like the story of Sleepy Hollow. I really like the Headless Horseman. I think that the Headless Horseman is one of the iconic American monsters. I think that you have a lot of American monsters or cryptids mm-hmm. or, you know, the Mothman or the Chupacabra or Bigfoot or whatever. This is one that's much more interesting as a, a, an iconic ghost, but an iconic ghost that's also a physical threat. Uh, Rachel, when we visited her parents' house, they had their whole set of Monster in My Pockets. Oh, I love Monster and in My Pockets. most of them, like, if you took out the, there's a lot of, like, folklore, mythology, legends, whatever, and if you took out the American ones, a lot of them are cryptids, but one of the ones you kind of put up there with, like, a Dracula, a Frankenstein, a Wolfman, a Mummy, would be a Headless Horseman. Mm-hmm. So... I hope we've made the argument that this is <laughs> worth doing, that this is for the podcast themed around Disney and horror. This is one of the great pieces of Disney horror, so it's worth addressing. So our second question is, how are we doing this? Yeah, because as Tom mentioned, we're not doing this as a domain because there is a Headless Horseman domain. I'm doing air quotes. Right. You can't see me, but... I hear some of you who have Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft <laughs> raising your finger to object to us. But the thing is, there's the Horseman's Bridge and that is, you know, it was in second edition, but it's it's not really a domain and the Headless Horseman isn't really a Dark Lord. It's, it's an encounter. It's like, it's a floating pocket domain, you know, like a, like Carnival, like what we did with Nightmare Before Christmas that, you know, you'll be walking along and then suddenly some bridge will turn into the Horseman's Bridge and it'll come and attack you and everything. But that that's just one encounter. You don't really get the chance to engage with him or with his story. You don't get the chance to engage with the core story of Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Because, you know, for a lot of us, and it, maybe for you, dear listener, is different, but for me, uh, before our youngest went on a giant Sleepy Hollow kick and started watching Legend of Sleepy Hollow over and over and over again because he is our child and loves the spookiness. Not unrelated to our doing this episode. Yes. <laughs> 
But the only thing that I remembered about Legend of Sleepy Hollow was, like, there was this gawky guy named Decabog Crane who was kind of a dork, and there was a love triangle, and there was Brom Bones who looked kind of like Gaston, and then all the Headless Horseman stuff happened. But if you're doing Horseman's Bridge, if you're doing just you walk in and the Headless Horseman chases you, you're not engaging with any of that. There's no Ichabod Crane. There's no love triangle. There's no Brom Bones. You know, even though a lot of us you know, don't really have strong memories of who exactly Ichabod Crane and Brom Bones are, they're part of the story. And that's not really something you can do if all you have is this floating bridge that the Horseman appears in. And you know, we've talked about our qualities of an interesting Dark Lord. That they have to have their act of ultimate darkness, that they have to have their torment, that they have to have that element of relatability, and that they have to have the domain reflecting the Dark Lord. And the Headless Horseman doesn't have any of them. Yeah, it's none of that. It's He, like, he wants his head, that's kind of yeah. a torment. It, even if you're going to be looking at the um, the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow, if you wanted to turn that into a domain, the Horseman's not the one who's the Dark Lord there. Miranda Richardson is the Dark Lord there. Spoilers. Spoilers. Um, but, uh, 20-year-old movie. Yeah. I understand why they wanted to do a Headless Horseman domain, because once again, it is iconic American horror, but it doesn't really work. And to kind of do the concept justice and to be engaging with the story more and to not kind of be making this not much of a character into a dark world. This thing is the headless person is almost more of an environmental feature, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you're you're kind of being decapitated by a tornado. Then it really made more sense to do it as an adventure. And the adventure will hopefully be engaging with the setting of Sleepy Hollow, the mm-hmm. characters, and then building up to that encounter. So your players yeah. will be kind of going through that story of you're engaging with all this stuff with the characters, and then have the climactic chase slash battle with the horsemen uh, in the night. By the way, if you do want to make it into a domain, Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow isn't a terrible model for how to do that, but make Miranda Richardson's plan and motivation make more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that brings us to some considerations. So we have we have this this goal to make an adventure around Legend of Sleepy Hollow, building up that encounter with the horsemen. And so we started consideration one which is, okay, where do we get more content? Mm-hmm. We don't want to invent it whole cloth like Tim Burton was, with this bizarre, you know, story about land inheritance and <laughs> and magic witchcraft assassinations. Yeah. <laughs> so we want to take the story, Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and draw our adventure from that. So we'll start with a quick summary. If you have not read this since sixth grade English or <laughs> watched the Disney movie since third grade Halloween party, let's do a, a quick review. So we start with Ichabod Crane, and he is this gangly schoolmaster who comes to the small Dutch town upstate New York of Sleepy Hollow. He is very superstitious. He is like a real like comic character. He's this like very, he's the, the choir master, but he's a terrible singer. Or he thinks of himself as this graceful dancer, but he's this really crazy, awkward dancer. He's very much his figure of fun. But he impresses a lot of the local ladies as a kind of figure of erudition and class and sophistication because he's not from this tiny town, this poor provincial town. <laughs> and he romances Katrina Van Tassel, who is the only child of the wealthiest farmer. And she is the most beautiful, kind of the most eligible bachelorette in town. 
But it's also very clear that Ichabod is most interested in her money. Like they mention every time he goes to court on her, he's imagining himself as the master of this estate. He's imagining all the prosperity, all the money, all the food, all the just everything. And his main rival is Brom Bones. Brom Bones is the village bravo, the village hero. He's very much, I think, Mm Gaston-esque. If the movie were much, much more sympathetic to Gaston. (laughs) Uh, He's big, he's strong, he's a prankster. And he's, he's, he's still not a good person, but, but he's better than Gaston. Yes, yes, yes. He doesn't try to have her father committed and force her to marry him. Yeah. So he is scared away. He's kind of set his cap on Katrina, and they've been courting, and he's scared away any other suitors. But not Ichabod. And so Katrina... Because Ichabod, as an outsider, you know, Brom Bones doesn't have that weight for him. You, you can kind of imagine, you know, again, everybody in town, they know that Gaston is into Belle, so they're like, oh, gosh, well, we're not, we're not going to go anywhere right. near Belle. But you can see somebody coming in from out of town and not knowing that mm-hmm. Gaston is the town bigwig. You know, no one's been like Gaston, a kingpin like Gaston. And so he would start courting Belle. So Katrina is not really interested in Ichabod, but she kind of leads him on because she wants to make Brom jealous. She's happy, like, there's somebody challenging Brom. She wants that kind of competition over her. She really likes the idea of guys fighting over her hand and being this, like, object of desire. And if there's nobody who wants to go toe-to-toe with your boyfriend, then you're never going to get that. And this does work. Brom is, Brom is jealous, and he starts doing these escalating pranks on Ichabod. And Ichabod's very superstitious, so he's attributing a lot of them to, like, hexes and witches and curses. And then there's a harvest party at the Van Tassels, which is pretty much always been presented as a Halloween party. Mm-hmm. Though I don't believe it technically is. It's just Really? That. No, it's just like they said, it's autumn, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a harvest festival. Mm-hmm. Quilting bee. Huh. But no, I, I very carefully checked the word Halloween never shows up, but just we always just, it's such a story that we in our culture in every iteration spend a Halloween party. Mm-hmm. So, Ichabod proposes and is turned down. And as he's going home, the Headless Horseman attacks him. You have this really, most of the stories, this kind of dry-witted domestic comedy <laughs> about these three jerks being jerks. They're so awful. They're so awful. But then we have that, like, real great, just like the Disney, the surprisingly faithful we discover Disney movie. Mm-hmm. You have this amazing, like, set piece at the end where the horseman's chasing Ichabod across the bridge, throws the pumpkin, and then we have the epilogue. And it says, no one ever found Ichabod. They found his hat. The horse wandered home. They found a shattered pumpkin, The shattered pumpkin, yeah. Yeah. They found the shattered pumpkin shell. Everyone assumes the horseman got him. Some people tell stories about seeing him in, like, another county that he just kind of, out of the fear and out of shame over being rejected, just left in the middle of the night. But, of course, the the Dutch, the old Dutch farmers know better that he was taken (laughs) off by the headless horseman. Also, Brom marries Katrina, and it's strongly implied that the horseman was Brom in disguise. Yeah. In the story, there's a line like... You know, and he laughs knowingly whenever anyone mentions the horseman getting Ichabod. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of that in the Disney movie, but the Disney movie is 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 not nearly as much like, obviously, this is a Scooby-Doo type <laughs> situation. So the original story is mostly this kind of soap opera, comedy, love triangle romantic conflict over who's going to marry Katrina. Slash get her farm. Which, yeah, which is connected to this conflict over her inheritance and over money. So that kind of love triangle, that's the core of the story, that's what we're going to be building on. Honestly, I mentioned the completely bonkers Tim Burton version. (laughs) 
but reading through this with a fine-tooth comb, planning to adapt it into an adventure, I can actually see where he gets a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, there's no Katrina Van Tassel's stepmother is a witch who is, like, driven to starvation by her uncle or whatever, whatever, whatever. But having it be a conflict over inheritance, over property, over kind of a marriage that actually does fit the original story. Mm-hmm. But as we mentioned... This love triangle is three jerks. Yes. So that brings us, Rachel, to consideration two. Yes. So consideration one is about the story and how to make the story kind of better and more gameable. Consideration two is how to make these characters anyone your PCs would want to save. Because if they're going to be interacting with this story, if it's all just a bunch of jerks being jerks to each other, you know, some parties are going to say, okay, it's the right thing to do. Maybe the Headless Horseman's going to take somebody who's not a jerk. Um, other parties are going to say, you know what? These guys all deserve each other. Let's go. So, because you know, as it's written, you've got Ichabod, who, uh, you know, we... A lot of times, think of Ichabod as a sympathetic figure. He's so gawky. He's so weird. He's the smart one. And, you know, Brahm is the bully who's picking on him. And all of us nerds listening, you know, we, we know that clearly makes Ichabod the good guy. But he's not. Or even just that he's the outsider. Yeah. That kind of have a natural sympathy for him. Mm-hmm. And so you know, Ichabod is just this absolute gold digger um, who is interested in nothing except Katrina's money. Katrina is this horrible flirt who, uh, like, is just stringing Ichabod along for no reason other than to make Brom jealous, and, you know, she rejects him when he proposes because she was never planning on accepting his proposal anyway, and, you know, Brom, obviously, he's proto-Gaston. He's bullying Ichabod, like, obviously, he's not going to be happy that Ichabod is coming after his girlfriend, but he reacts by bullying him, by playing childish pranks, by just being just a nasty jerk, and then, of course, you know, culminating in this really cruel, mean-spirited prank after he's already been turned down just to scare him off. I watched as research, like, four different versions, Mm -hmm. and every single one of them makes someone much more sympathetic. Mm -hmm. It's either Ichabod or Katrina. They're either making Ichabod, in one case, they actually have Ichabod and Katrina end up together because Mm -hmm. they want to kind of give Ichabod the happy ending. And others, it's making Katrina much, much more sympathetic, much more she's just kind of being friends with Ichabod and, like, she just runs on the proposal because she's just never expressed romantic interest in him. So every, like, adaptation has faced the same question. How do you make your your audience, in this case your players, care about somebody? Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that real quick here before we get into the, the story and how we do it. To just These are some alternate versions of the characters to keep in mind as you're you know, listening to the story. We're not really going to talk too much about how to make Ichabod sympathetic because, you know, number one, that's obvious. Um, and number two, as you're about to find out in a couple minutes, by the time the adventure starts, Ichabod's dead. Um, so it doesn't really matter whether he's you know, basically a good guy or not. Making Katrina more sympathetic is pretty easy. You know, we've been doing all of this Brom being Gaston comparison. So you could very easily have it be she's not into Brom. Everyone assumes she's going to marry Brom. Everyone's pressuring her into marrying Brom. Like, maybe even her dad thinks it's a great match. And, you know, in those days, she wouldn't have had a whole lot to say about it if her dad thought it was a great match. But she doesn't want to marry this jerk. And maybe she did love Ichabod. Maybe he just wasn't Brom. And gave her an alternative and a chance for somebody else. If you were doing this version of her, then 
I would see either have her accept the proposal, have him not propose, or have it be that she turned him down out of fear. And, you know, have her be, like, weepingly tell the PCs, like, oh, I was I was afraid of what Braum would do when he found out, but oh, I wish I wish I could have said yes. Mm. Um, you know, some, something along those lines. But it's, it's very easy to make Katrina sympathetic. And then if you really want to throw your PCs for a loop, when our son was watching this for the umpteenth time yesterday, the way that Ichabod was talking in the uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad short. You know, he says he's thinking about the money and the farm and everything, and he's thinking about how Katrina's father is the one who has the farm, and he goes, so what's the exact line? Like, well, he can't take it with him. Like, the old goat's gonna kick it someday, and when he checks out, I check in. And it's like this, he's imagining her father, like, sitting on this throne covered in gold, and then the, her father disappears and Ichabod appears. Like, wearing the, the, fi- the same fine clothing. And that really sounds like he's going pretty, to murder her dad. Pretty <laughs> murdery <laughs> train of thought, yeah. So if you really wanted to throw your PCs for a loop, you could have it be that Brom is actually a good guy. You know, maybe he's a little young and hot-headed and impetuous, yeah. you know. But he found out that Ichabod was planning to murder Katrina's father. Right, And right. he you know, tried to convince Katrina of this. And in this version, you know, Katrina will be kind of smitten with Ichabod. Mm-hmm. He tried to convince her of this. She didn't believe him. And you know, what was he supposed to do other than this headless horseman prank? Th- th- this was his last-ditch effort to try and scare Ichabod away to stop Katrina's father from getting killed by this gold digger who didn't love her. So if you really want to you know, throw your PCs for a loop, then having Bron be the good guy was going to be a great, great uh, oh, yeah. twist. In the adventure, I am, like, the default is everyone's a jerk. <laughs> but I am including, like, a sidebar with Rachel's wonderful ideas, saying a lot of PCs need a sympathetic character. They need an NPC that they like mm-hmm. to kind of center them in the story and in the incident and in the adventure and to emotionally engage with the adventure and care about what happens. They need to have an NPC they like, and this is a way to do that. So this, if everyone's jerks, once again, your PCs might be like, you know what, bye Sleepy Hollow, you're a town <laughs> full of jerks and we hate you. Deal with, your, deal with your own headless horseman. Hope you all get decapitated. Bye! Which brings us to our third consideration, which is the question of the horseman. And that is to do a real horseman or a Scooby-Doo horseman. <laughs> As I mentioned, in the original story, it's strongly implied it was just Brahm all along. All of the versions I watched, including, you could argue, the Disney one, have a stronger implication the horseman is real. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, yes, that was Brom Bones, but there's a real horseman too. Mm-hmm. Because we want that. We, we don't want Scooby-Doo. We mm-hmm. want there to be the headless horseman of Sleepy Hollow. And so the, what we're doing here, your PCs are going to go in with that question. Okay, is this Dungeons and Dragons, there's a good chance it's going to be the real horseman. Or the GM might be trying to Scooby-Doo us and it's Brom Bones in disguise. Why not both? I'm borrowing some plot elements, and this, a lot of this is influenced by the Adventure and DMs Guild, which is The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by S.J. Twinning, which we'll put the link in the show notes. It is a version of Sleepy Hollow set specifically in Eberron, and it's very specific to Eberron. It's a great adaptation to Eberron, mm-hmm. specifically. And it also goes into a lot more detail of, like, appeasing the horseman spirit. Sort of mm. much bigger part of the adventure is this sort of quest to get a specific sword that you can use to kind of defeat the horseman in the ethereal plane. Mm-hmm. And so my version, our version, is much more setting neutral. And I'm going to do a generic setting and a Curse of Strahd setting. And is less of the kind of metaphysic. Mm-hmm. So our adventure 
the as Rachel mentioned, and kind of borrowing this element from SJ Twinning, the, when the PCs arrive, Ichabod has died. And we're imagining specifically it's that the prank that Brom was, was playing on him goes wrong. That as Ichabod is riding to the bridge, he clonked his head and died because that can happen when that kind of thing is going on. So Brom convinces the friends that are helping them that they're going to be arrested and maybe hung for murder. So they're like, okay, but we need we can blame the horseman if we cut off Ichabod's head. So they cut off Ichabod's head, Brom hides it somewhere, and everyone does blame the horseman just like in the original story. So then Brom, the, the friends are, are filled with guilt, and one of them wants to go and confess, and Brom gets into a fight with him, and things escalate, and that friend dies as well. And kind of depending on your what specific variant of Brom you're doing, how accidental was that accidental death? But Brom says, hey, this is working for me. <laughs> so he cuts off that guy's head and hides it as well. And once again, the horseman's going to get blamed for this murder. So our adventure opens with the PCs arriving and finding that second body. And they're, they're looking for Ichabod. Most of the adventure hooks I have are they're sent to check up on Ichabod, to deliver a book, or to just check it on him because he hasn't responded to a letter or something like that. So that's Scooby-Doo, right? And that's the first part of the adventure. They're going to be investigating, learning about the love triangle, investigating the murders, investigating the dead bodies, and hopefully drawing the conclusion that this is a Scooby-Doo story. That's Brom using the legend of the horseman to cover his murders. So, when the PCs accuse Brom, then the actual spectral headless horseman attacks. Because in our version, the death of Ichabod, the death of this other Sleepy Hollow boy, this kind of fear being generated, all of that kind of psychically resonates to awaken the horseman. Mm -hmm. And that Ichabod's ghost is sort of merges with the horseman because his death is really what awakens all this fear. So the horsemen start terrorizing the town. So you have the PCs then have to deal with the... There's kind of that twist of, oh, we think we know where this is going. That's Brom or this other guy in disguise. But then an actual headless horseman comes and we have to fight. And it also means you've got a couple of possible endings. One of them is just that the they fight the horsemen. They go in the woods at night and the horseman attacks and they fight and they get the horseman to zero hit points and banish him back to the ethereal plane. Hooray. Have a medal ceremony. <laughs> but we also have that wonderful kind of logic of the head that if the PCs can find Ichabod's head where like they can get Brom to tell them where he hit it or they can maybe try to figure it out then they could give Ichabod's head to the horseman, and that also appeases him. Since it kind of is Ichabod at the time. Right, point, exactly. Yeah. Or you've also got incorporating the legend the idea of the bridge, and this is taking inspiration from the real Ghostbusters episode, <laughs> the Headless Motorcyclist, where the, the Ghostbusters basically make a hologram of a street over a bridge and are able to defeat the Headless Motorcyclist by getting him to unknowingly go across the bridge. So if your PCs are creative problem solvers, as PCs often are, mm -hmm. then they might say, hey, we want to try dragging the horseman across the bridge. Hey, we want to try tricking the horseman into crossing the bridge. In which case, once again, there's a certain type of PCs that love nothing more than kind mm -hmm. of clevering the combat to not happen at all. <laughs> and we're both thinking of a specific person. And, <laughs> that, like the, 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 the best fight is the one where they're like, come up with a clever 
plan that avoids the fight ever happening. Mm -hmm. And so you have that option here, and that totally fits the narrative logic. If the horsemen can't cross the bridge, and if the PCs are able to grapple or grab or push or magic the horsemen across the bridge, of course it's going to defeat the horsemen. Mm -hmm. That's basic ghost story. Basic Basic horseman science. Basic horse science. So that is roughly our adventure. You have the initial discovery of the body, you have the investigation, and then you have the twist kind of going in Act 3 of the actual horseman appearing. But that's my version, and as we said, as we were brainstorming, Rachel had a whole bunch, just a a fireworks display (laughs) of possible variants, which were so helpful to me. (laughs) Because Tom did most of this on his own, and and then he was kind of stuck for some of the, you know, how to escalate here and how to do a third act twist there, and came and asked me, and the, the thing about asking someone who has not been involved in the process at all is you get some of the most gonzo stuff. You really do. <laughs> so there, there are some very gonzo ideas here that do not fit this particular adventure very well, but if you hear one of these and say, oh my gosh, I want that to be the climax of my Headless Horseman adventure so bad, then take it, run with it, have fun. So... One possibility is what the final confrontation with the Headless Horseman is going to look like. That, you know, in this, it's just kind of a, a, a showdown with him. And if you want it to be something more dramatic, something more tied in with the love triangle, then you could have it be the Headless Horseman desperately wants to kill Brom. Like, all of his energy is focused on killing Brom. You have to save that little sleazebag's life and make sure that the Headless Horseman doesn't get him, no matter how much you want the Headless Horseman mm-hmm. to kill him. And so that is one possibility for kind of how to make the climax work. Another is that he wants to kill Katrina. And specifically, it might be that he wants revenge because he realizes she was stringing him along, if you're going with Katrina the Jerk, or even if you're not, do you want to think she was stringing him along? Another possibility is if he's still in love with her in his weird ghosty way, maybe he wants to take Katrina. He wants to, you know, kidnap her, maybe kill her so she also becomes a ghost, maybe cut off her head so that she becomes his headless horsewoman. You know, again, we were talking about the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow a lot here, but kind of drawing a lot from that image of the the, the horseman, like, you know, pulling Miranda Richardson onto his horse and going into the roots of the tree with her. Mm-hmm. That basically he, want, he wants to do that with Katrina. Another thing is you, you could have, for kind of the escalating tension, Ichabod's ghost is going to be coming after Brahm's gang, the Sleepy Hollow Boys. He's going to be angry with them. And so if you want him to be kind of doing typical ghost stuff, as well as, you know, his full-on headless horse riding along with his sword, then maybe there's some kind of vandalism happening with the Sleepy Hollow Boys. That their um, their business places are being wrecked. That the, the farmers among them, maybe even Katrina, you know, they wake up and their livestock has been decapitated. Just all this awful stuff is happening to them. Your PCs think that this is part of Brahm's campaign of intimidation, that he's trying to make sure that they're staying quiet and covering up his involvement. But it's actually Ichabod's ghost trying to get revenge. And then, if you really want to get weird, a possibility, when when we were talking about... This is very different. This is very different. But we were talking about the possibility of Ichabod wanting to kill Brom and marry Katrina. One way to do that would be if he were to take Brom's head, right? If he were to, if he were to take Brom's head, put it on, kind of, you know, mystically become Brom, and that way he gets to marry Katrina. 
And so you you could have that just by itself that he wants to kill Brom, take his head, and have this unholy wedding ceremony. You could do a weird thing where if he decapitates someone at night, then during the next day he can wear their head. And you know, basically, you know, by night he's the headless horseman. Right. By day, after he kills someone, he gets to be them. He gets to put their head on and go around like being a doppelganger of that person. You know, doing heaven only knows what kind of mischief. So if you wanted it to kind of be more of a psychological horror, like paranoia, who could we trust, and kind of stretch this out beyond the one encounter to a much longer, much more social game, then you could do that. So hopefully, even if you don't want to go with our our basic idea that we're writing up, those are some ideas for a cool Sleepy Hollow adventure for you and your players. But that adventure will almost certainly involve some kind of confrontation with the Headless Horseman. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a bit about how we're getting those stats. Now, the obvious choice, there is a Headless Horseman creature in, I believe, Van Richten's guide called the Dullahan. But that is a CL-10 encounter. Mm -hmm. So that's a very tough encounter, uh, especially for a lot of parties, especially because, as I said, I'm trying to adapt this for part of Curse of Strahd. So I want to I want to come up with a lower CL version of the Headless Horseman. And I'm starting, my goal is like a CL4 creature, and then maybe I can go up a little bit, like five or six pretty easily. And so starting with a Nightmare, because that kind of gives you the horse that's magic, tramples, that's spooky, and that can appear and disappear from the, from the ethereal plane. And the basic stats of the nightmare, but then giving it also a melee sword attack. And that's, they're basically good, right? The Headless mm-hmm. Horseman does two things. They, he rides and he <laughs> chops. But there's one more thing the Headless Horseman does, which is he throws his pumpkin head and it explodes. <laughs> so I'm adding that once a day, it's like one time in the encounter, can basically do a, a weakened version of Fireball. Normally, Fireball is 8d6. Once again, that's a bit much for, especially with like an explosion, like area radius. It's a potential TPK. Mm-hmm. So I'm making instead 5d6. That is this 5d6 area effect of the horseman throws his pumpkin head, big explosion of fire. Everyone makes their dexterity saves and tries to not be burned by pumpkin fire. <laughs> and in theory, the horseman should have a Vorpal sword, mm-hmm. right? That's the horseman's whole thing is chopping off heads. If to go back to the Tim Burton movie where the most murder happens, it's just head chop, head chop, head chop, head chop. Vorpal sword would be like the perfect thing to say, this is how that's working. You know, you could look at the horseman in the Tim Burton movie and say, yep, that's a Vorpal sword, all right. (laughs) But I'm not. I am not going to give uh, an NPC that just, this is my taste. You know, you might want to go for it. But my take on it is even though the horseman has a Vorpal sword fits the flavor the best... I do not want to put a monster against my PCs that has a 1 in 20 chance every attack of Mm one-shotting the PC that they're attacking. It seems like, oh, it only has a natural 20. You know that's going to happen. Like, Uh you're going to get three natural 20s Uh in a row. If you have, this person is going to kill the PC on a natural 20. Yep. Three natural 20s in a row. Guaranteed. (laughs) I might even say, because this is kind of the way I do things, that when they defeat the horseman, if the horseman leaves a Vorpal Sword behind, but... I would not do the horseman attacks PCs with a Vorpal Sword because I think that's too much risk for instant TPK or instant one-shotting of a PC, and that's not going to be fun for them. If you're the kind of GM who doesn't want to have different rules for the monster and the PC, you know, the, well, it can't be a Vorpal Sword because you didn't have a Vorpal Sword, which I get that. You are um, seen. Then 
you could do kind of a modified version where it can only decapitate once a day. Mm. And by the time he encounters the PC, he's already used it. You can see him one-shot an NPC to get mm-hmm. that, like, cool, oh, no, that's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a good idea. Thank you. That's a really good idea. <laughs> that's even a nice, like, if you don't want to give the NPC, you, you're not necessarily ready to give your PCs uh, a magic item that powerful, then that's a pretty decent, like, that is a little bit of a nerf on the Vorpal Sword. Mm-hmm. They get the sword that's a once-a-day that is our basic summary of our adventure. How the, the basic story, the Act 1, the Act 2, the Act 3, roughly how I'm standing up the horsemen. And the neat thing with this adventure is that you have Act 1 and 2 are going to be mostly social and investigation. They're going to be investigating the murders, and that involves engaging with the soap opera, engage, mm-hmm. learning the story of Ichabod and Katrina and Brahm and their relationship with each other, and learning the town. But then... The specific details of Act 3 can be adjusted, can be determined by what connections and relationships and conclusions your PCs make in Act 1 and 2. So one of Sleepy Hollow Boys is Adrian Van Ripper, and if like they really glom to him, like, they really befriend him and feel sorry for him, then the big horseman attack can center around him. And they can be protecting this piece, this NPC we care about mm-hmm. from the horseman. Or if they really hate Brom you could make Brom much more of a secondary villain. It can mm-hmm. be that Brom refuses to reveal the head's location, so kind of it's his fault this is still happening, or even something where Brom kidnaps Katrina. Says, oh, the Ichabod, you know, wants the Katrina, so I'm going to give him Katrina to end the attack to save my own skin. Like, really, wow. really make him a slime ball. Mm-hmm. And they have, they, then they're fighting Brom as much as they're fighting the Headless Horseman. And that... <laughs> straight Gaston. It's straight Gaston. So how your PCs act and what decisions they make and what connections they make and how they react to the NPCs when they're exploring all this social investigation, when they're learning the backstory of the town, who do they decide is the bad guy, who do they decide is the good guy, then that can play out in Act 3. Like, Act 3 is just, and then the horseman attacks them. Mm -hmm. And that can be, the specifics of that can be a good, satisfying climax for whatever decisions and discoveries they made in Act 1 and 2. So hopefully, as I said, by the time you read this, this adventure will be up on DM's Guild. It will cost 99 cents, which I don't think is too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be a setting neutral version, and there will be a Curse of Strahd version specifically. I'm adding the town of Sleepy Hollow to Barovia and kind of incorporating that into some extra Curse of Strahd content if you're running that. Although if you're not doing Curse of Strahd and you're just doing General Ravenloft, it's clearly in Mordant. Yeah, there yeah. is no universe where Sleepy Hollow is not in Mordant. Yeah, yeah. This has been a little peek into our thought process of adapting, taking a story and adapting it into a D&D adventure. And if you like that, I have a couple of other horror movies I've adapted into adventures. You could see on DM's Guild, uh, just looking at the other works by this author. We also have some resources we've made for spooky kid stuff. (laughs) Speaking of spooky kid stuff. Speaking of spooky kid stuff, as we've mentioned pretty much every episode. Uh, I have a picture book, Mother Ghost Nursery Rhymes for Little Monsters. It's 13 classic nursery rhymes written to be about Halloween, so by the time this is dropping, it would not ship to you until Halloween was already over. But if you're anything like me as I sit here wearing my jack-o'-lantern shirt in summertime, then that is not an impediment. And I also have some short stories for adults. Those are on my website, www.rachelcolor.com. And the great thing is most of them are free. So you can go and read some of the other stuff that I've done. Not even 99 cents. Not even 99 cents. 
And then in the meantime, if you want to contact us, then you can email us at wonderfulworldofdarklords at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Wonderful World of Dark Lords. And then on Twitter, which is probably where we're the most active because that's where the Dark Lords are. Wonderful World of Dark Lords is too long. Wonderful Dark Lords is also too long. So you can find us on Twitter at Wonder Dark Lords. Woo! <laughs> if you run this, please let us know yes. how it went. Please let us know who your PCs decided was the biggest jerk in jerk town. <laughs> let us know if you used any of the variants or just ran it straight. Or if you tried to make anyone nice or just said, you know what, I'm just going to make this as hateful as possible. Always a valid approach. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Happy gaming and happy Halloween. Woo! This has been The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. We have no affiliation with Disney or Wizards of the Coast. All music recordings used in this episode are in the public domain and were obtained through MuseOpen.org. Titles and links are in the show notes. The Wonderful World of Dark Lords logo was designed by Haylight Jones. You can find links to their work in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I have written a picture book for children called... As opposed to picture books for adults. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, uh, go to sleep there.